You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. At your service. Hello, hello, and welcome to At Your Service, the podcast where we give you a behind-the-scenes look into the life of a service worker. I am one of your hosts, Milena Koprovica, and across the way from me, one of my best friends. Ross Babinski, nice to meet you, everybody. And you know, uh, we this has been our baby for a long time. Uh, Ross and I have worked in service industry for a very long time. And, you know, we wanted to bring awareness of the complexities of service industry. You know, it's an entity run by usually a bunch of misfits. You know, there's the no job or very few job qualifications. Yeah. And, you know, this is an outlet or a platform to give power back to the workers. Exactly. And to help raise awareness as to some of the you know abuses carried out in the service industry that for the most part go unspoken of yeah and, and just to provide a platform for people to be able to relate to the experiences of others that they maybe don't get to talk about all the time so. yeah absolutely you know and it's kind of a thankless job and the type of qualities that you have to have to be a service industry person you know uh, each customer is very different. Some customers, you go up to the table and you like get all into you're like, hey, like here's our special, blah blah blah. And then yeah. there's other people that are like, leave me alone, let me like order my food, and that's it. Exactly. You know? Yeah, you have to be able to read people. It definitely helps you develop a lot of social skills, and you have to apply those social skills to be able to be successful in it. So it's not necessarily, you know, from an outside standpoint, it seems like, oh, you know, you're taking the order or you're asking what the person wants. You go back, you put the order in, you take the food to the table or any other kind of like retail. You help the person find what they want. You know Absolutely. what I mean? But it, so from that standpoint, it's mostly looks like physical labor or, you know, remembering things. But really a term that stemmed from the service industry in terms of labor is emotional labor. And that's what it really is. It's dealing with the general public and the way that they treat you and having to take on that emotional toll of every individual person that you're taking care of and making sure that they're happy, Absolutely. regardless of if you're happy or not. So, yeah. And every day is different. Another thing, like customers don't realize, you know, that servers are humans too, you know, exactly. and we have bad days. There are days when that emotional effort to go to a table and see how the customer is doing, it takes a toll. So be nice to your service workers, you know, it's a yeah. thankless job, to yeah. be honest. Um, and I started when I was 14 years old, um, in a place, uh, a breakfast place in Jackson, Michigan, I was busting tables. And I remember my first day, I was like, okay, I really need to get a job. So I just walked into the place and I was like, hey, do you, uh, do you have a job for me? And they literally just handed me an apron and they're like, you start today. Exactly. So like, we're going to focus on the chaotic energy um, yeah. and the dysfunctions of service industry today. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh, a couple 
instances that we can just give examples for uh, in terms of like our past experiences. Uh, one of mine definitely being from my first job as well. Uh, like you're saying, high turnaround rate for employees. So, you know, just about anybody can get a job there. Yeah. And those are just the kind of people that you deal with. And because of that, people aren't willing to deal with other people. People aren't willing to listen to authority or anything like that. And that's understandable in certain situations, but like there definitely has to be a level of cooperation. And when there's not, there's dysfunction, which is what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, my fr- I I started when I was 15 as well, and it was at this little well, it wasn't quite little. It was actually a pretty uh reputable steakhouse in Dearborn, Michigan. Um love that place. It's gone now. Absolutely loved working there, but it was a movie every single day. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. Uh just to kind of a I guess one good example would be in a situation where one of the line chefs was drunk and he would come to work drunk often you know what i mean and it was kind of known it was you know it was whatever he was a really good cook he was very very good the best cook he was he was like pretty much the best cook on the line he was awesome um but he was drunk and he would come to work drunk and it was found out that he would stay drunk at work by drinking the boxed cooking wine <laughs> above his like station on the line. Hey, for, there's you know, nothing the... wrong with boxed wine. Yeah, it's no, well, it was cooking wine. So it's a, like, I don't know. <laughs> I think there is a difference. They sell it in there. There is a difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think so. It's still but boxed. It, sure, exactly. <laughs> but, uh. He was staying drunk off that, and the boss found out about that, really, really didn't like that, and went in the back. They needed chefs. The place wasn't doing too well, so they needed chefs. So he was like, all right, I'm not going to fire you, but you got to go home for the day. And and this guy was like, absolutely not. I need hours on my check. I need this money to be able to pay rent, to be able to get the things that I want. I'm not leaving. And so it turned into a big physical altercation, and the chef ended up pulling a knife on the boss, and before he could do anything, the boss, like, Chuck Norris, like, kicked him in the chest, like, out the back door, like, and roundhouse kicked him. And I can see him. this, like, almost like an anime, like, it was great. It was literally kick. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was literally like a scene <laughs> a in a movie. movie. He goes flying out the back door, like, arms wide. Yeah. And then uh, he overhears Danny saying, oops, maybe shouldn't mention any names, never mind, no last names. Uh, he overhears him saying, I'm going to call the cops. Was Patrick Swayze there? Because it sounds like something from Roadhouse. It, that's not, it was, a, I, see, Roadhouse. I was going to say Roundhouse Kick. There, that's what it is. Chuck Norris, Roundhouse Kick. He literally Roundhouse Kicked him out the back door. Awesome. It was crazy. <laughs> but uh, so that happened. Danny says, oh, geez, I keep mentioning his name. He says, uh, I'm calling the cops. Uh, so this chef goes and hides in the back seat of another chef's car and the cops show up and they're searching everywhere for him. They end up finding him and they run the plates on the car that he was hiding in. And the other chef had a pre-existing warrant out for his arrest. No. So and he was on he was on the clock at the time. He was in the kitchen. He was working. Yeah. So uh, they arrested the chef that pulled the knife. They arrested the chef that had the pre-existing warrant. And then my boss because it was a four chef line and he was down two chefs had to go down to the courthouse and bail both of them out so that they could finish out the shift. No way. Yeah. And that just goes to show you that like money is more important. You know, At the show point, had yeah. to go on. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that happens within restaurant is- industry. Uh, Ross and I worked at the same place together and um, I needed a lime really badly to oh, yeah. put on a drink to, 
uh, run the drink like really quickly. It was a chaotic day. I'm pretty sure it was like a Friday or something like that. So I'm like, yo, Ross, cut this one line for me. So I reach and we both kind of like overextended. He had the knife and he cuts me in the on the finger and you know blood keeps running down you know it came running down everyone around us is like oh shit you know and then i like sprinted to the back and i'm like yo head chef can you uh fix this up for me so we quickly we like wash it out you know we uh get it all bandaged up and then i went right to a table like right after that you know it's just things the show has to go on it's gotta go on or else it the restaurant has to shut down and everybody's out. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And we need that money. Yeah. Um, another instance, I'd say. Uh, so I, it, you listeners, you don't know, but Ross uh, worked at more bougie restaurants than me. I worked at more <laughs> bars and um, just bar food quality type of atmosphere. Yeah. So uh, we would have college nights. And mm-hmm. can you – yeah, you've never yeah, had that, a college night, have you? No. All of my customers have been old enough to be able to hold their liquor. <laughs> well, for the majority. Yeah. You know, I didn't have to deal with an entire college crowd ever, yeah. which is – I'm thankful for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be crazy. Yeah. So you get a bunch of 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 21-year-olds, people that don't know how to hold their liquor. So exactly. there was this one instance where um, – I, you know, was running crazy. It was college night. And um, this man, I I see him, this kid, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. He's in the hallway, you know, stumbling all around, you know, and I'm like, oh, crap. I'm going to have to deal with this. He He's drunk off his ass, you know. I'm going to have to deal with this. He pulls out a fifth of Amsterdam and, to be exact, Apple Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And he drops it on the floor. All this glass comes shattering all around. You could it reeks of Apple Amsterdam, which yeah. poor choice of alcohol, first yeah, of really. all. <laughs> and like twenty minutes later, I like try to kick him out, you know, and he gets out of the door and then I'm running crazy again. And I look in the booth twenty minutes later, he is like passed out like puking there's puke everywhere and i'm like oh crap like i gotta really get this guy out here but we had to do it safely we can't just have this guy like it was winter so you can't just like do that so i was running around the restaurant again and i was like is this your friend is this because there's no one by him we eventually got him out and everything was okay but just little things like that i have a question for you ross have you ever had such a bad night that you cried in the freezer like the you know those walk-in refrigerators yeah. have you ever cried because i've done I've that never so many times see the emotion exactly again it's emotional labor i've definitely cried i think <laughs> that i at that point i got to a point where like i wasn't ashamed of like allowing the service industry to like make me cry yeah. because it's just a stressful <laughs> night of course yeah. yeah and so like i didn't necessarily go in the freezer but i've definitely cried yeah i mean at a ship before i mean like i've had plenty <laughs> of nights where i'm like so frustrated that i'm like taking the bus trays and throwing them into the shelving unit, oh you yeah know little I mean? things like, super like upset that. for sure but going into the freezer it's too cold for me in there. It would make me cry even harder. You cry in front of your tables. You know, you get the exactly. tears all over the food. You got to get those sympathy and... tips. <laughs> you got to get those sympathy tips exactly. for sure. <laughs> there was another time, um, and these are quick little stories. Um, I was bartending 
And um, there were cops like running after oh, someone. Yeah. They went back and forth, back and forth. And this dude, he finally walks in. And I, I like look at him like, okay, do you need a shot there, boy? <laughs> and then he takes the shot, his last taste of freedom before yeah. he got arrested. And they did. I saw them across the street arrest yeah. him. Who knows? what? So it's just like chaotic things like that. Yeah. The dysfunction. And When dealing with the general public, anybody can walk in. You never know what to expect. For yeah, sure. absolutely. And like you were saying about the college town, like a place like that where you know that there's people coming in with outside alcohol. You know that they're underage and stuff like that. Yeah. But still, the owner decides not to do anything about it or not to regulate it because it means money for the restaurant. Yeah. But then it's your problem because you're the employee. You yeah. know what I mean? You had to clean up the broken glass. You had to clean up all the alcohol spilled on the ground. You had to deal with the underage kids drunk running around, thrown up and stuff like that. Yeah. So like. So let me ask a question. Those for your, uh, your your listeners and watchers on the Facebook. If you guys have a question for these two about anything, yeah. you know, ask them. But I have ask a question. I have a question yeah. for you guys. Yeah, for sure. um, this past year been very difficult on restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you two being uh, career and professional servers, mm-hmm. right? Um, what has been your experience? How have you guys been able to cope throughout this past uh, year through this COVIDian timeline that we're all in? Yeah. Well. As of right now, I am not working at a restaurant anymore, uh, which that was kind of, kind due of to that. yeah, kind of due to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thankful that I've had an opportunity to move on to something different. Oh. But uh, a lot of people do not have that opportunity. Right. Um, so, I mean, at the time, you know, the the CARES Act money that was coming in for people who were underemployed or who lost hours due to the COVID shutdowns and everything like, yeah, that really helped a lot. But. After that, it was like, well, now I'm just kind of left on my own to make tips with reduced business because of the pandemic. So, I mean. And I feel like it was like really crazy at first. So I actually worked during the whole um, uh, shutdown and stuff like that. I did carry out and all that. And people weren't. I didn't see any difference with tipping and that kind of sucked for the most part. But just the but everybody's out money too. Yeah, you know, for sure. Nobody had any money, so it was just the economy was taking a hit. And right. just like going into it, like, oh, has anyone ever stiff tipped you? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent, definitely. Yeah, Chrissy oh, yeah. popped in. Has everyone ever stiffed you on a tip? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it's people all people love to do that. Yeah, it's all based on your performance and yeah. like, what if you're having a bad day? But kind of going back to COVID, um. It becomes like a babysitting thing because yeah. people were coming in without masks yeah. on. It's like, holy crap. Like, yeah. are you serious? You're going to make my job be a babysitter too? Yeah. It definitely made me less polite to <laughs> yeah. customers. Like, I understand that like that is part of my job is being nice to people because I that's how I make my money. Yeah. If I'm not nice, they don't tip me. Yeah. But at a certain point, it was like. I don't care if you're not wearing a mask. I don't care about the money. You're yeah, threatening my life. Yeah, definitely. Literally. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it's just like, yeah, just take the precautions. Be, exactly. And when we reopen again, keep that in mind, listeners. Uh, you know, wear your mask. Be polite. Be nicer and, you know, more knowledgeable about what's going on in the service industry. Yeah. You know? But – I don't know. Like during the pandemic, uh, I had to kick a couple people out, but someone came in smoking a cigarette. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> At the last restaurant we worked people in. People just don't care right no. now. 
They do that not they care really right now. They really don't. But yeah, uh, do we have any more stories? I'm trying to think. <laughs> oh, I got plenty of stories. <laughs> you got, oh, yeah. Give us another one. <clears throat> well, just talking. Well, I, I would like to stay on the COVID thing a little bit, but also I understand that a lot of people are kind of yeah, worn out with all wanna, that. Yeah, they kind of want to, yeah, get away from it. But also it's an important part of the service industry right yeah. now, so we should definitely talk about it. But this is not necessarily pertaining to COVID or anything, but it is pertaining to other health issues and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, just another example of dysfunction within the service industry. Yeah. Uh, there was a sushi place that I worked at. I mostly worked at sushi places, but this yeah. one was the first sushi place that I worked at. And the entire kitchen staff was Guatemalan immigrants. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the place and his wife paid for one house for them all to live at. It was about 20 people who worked mm-hmm. the kitchen. Um Paid for the house, you know, paid for the heat, all the utilities, everything. They just housed them uh, and then paid them a reduced wage because of that. Um, <clears throat> they just treated them so badly. Oh. Like, I understand that, like, maybe it's a better opportunity than, you know, what they had yeah. in Guatemala in terms of making money. But at the same time, just the conditions that they were forced to live in because of the situation yeah. that they were brought into in this country. They didn't have a dryer, like a clothes dryer or washer in their house for months at a yeah. time. And I mean, a lot of people don't have that. But when you're working seven days a week in a kitchen, you don't necessarily have time to go to a laundromat to go clean your clothes. Yeah. So that was definitely should have been the responsibility of the owner who was housing these people and who yeah. was pretty much their landlord as well. Yeah. Uh, they transported all of them to work on a 20-person, like, shuttle van that they also used to transport all of the stock. And so to save time, they wouldn't bolt the seats back down in the van. So it was, like, 20 people in a van with just loose, wobbly seats transporting oh them back and forth to work every day, seven Jeez. days a week. The In the summer, the, the heat in their house broke for months and months and months and months. And because they are, you know immigrants in this country they're just taken advantage of when realistically the money that that place was making they could have provided such better living conditions and a better work environment for them and paid them more if we got fake bills in that restaurant if we received fake bills as payment they would pass it down to those employees that's that's horrific honestly just horrible horrible mistreatment oh that's a interesting how were your covid protocols developed so that's another – we did it ourselves. <laughs> we did that. In the place that we worked at, it was just really dysfunctional. And yeah. our owner wasn't really ready to put those protocols. So actually a couple of us sat down and we did – I don't know. Like what else did we – we you know, we made sure to sanitize the uh, pens and all that. Well, we pretty much set up everything. Yeah. The owner had no idea what to do. Didn't know how to go about setting it up. Yeah. Just called us to a meeting and said, what do we do? Yeah. And, and we, we're like, we're your employees. Yeah. Like, you're like you tell to us make what make sure to that do, we're Michael. in a safe work environment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not our responsibility. It's not our liability. You own the restaurant. Yeah. Like, so pretty much we got together over text message beforehand mm-hmm. and we're talking about everything that we needed to bring up we needed yeah. to bring up yes sanitation mask protocol making sure everybody knew about that uh we tried to talk about hazard pay because of the the risks that we were taking on as people who were 
one-on-one going up to people who had their mask off and were eating off of plates that we were touching. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we had to make sure that gloves... I'm pretty sure your mom provided most of the personal protection equipment for the uh, place. Shout were, out Patty Kopravitsa. Shout Thank out you. Patty Kopravitsa <laughs> for bringing us the masks and the gloves and the face guards and everything. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Like, our boss wouldn't have done that. No, no. Because it was about that place making money and not him spending money on that place to make it safe for the people who made money for that place. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. not having to buy anything extra. Definitely. So, so I kind of want to get away from, I'm tired of that topic. I don't know. I just get, Oh, it's so it's, an it's irritating, heavy, but, but it is good to talk about. It is, it is very good. Obviously to talk a current about, but thing. Yeah. But yeah. I think we'll kind of leave on a good note. Do you have any more stories or? Oh, it's there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys for being so uh, nice to us. We got what we eight listeners. Hey, that's pretty that's chill. Pretty all right. yeah. <laughs> um, the next episode, we're going to hopefully have a couple guests on. We have them lined up. Yeah. Talk uh, about them at all. Yeah, definitely. So we have two bartenders mm-hmm. coming in uh, Andrea and Anne from The Painted Lady. And uh, love that place. Yeah. And we're going to kind of talk about how being a bartender is also kind of being a therapist. So where can, oh, yeah. where can guys find your uh, your podcast? Yeah, at? so uh, find us on Facebook at at your service, and then um, on Instagram you can follow us at at your service eighty six. Um, I want to also thank um, Matt in the background there, yep. and uh, Brett, our good friend. Uh, him and Ross uh, made that. Intro for you guys. Oh, and the outro. And the outro. We're going to have an outro, too. Uh, Thank you so much. Hey, Ross, I love you. Love you, Mio. (laughs) Have a good day, everybody.